If the idea of scrolls and lock and key combined into a creepy, monstrous fraternity floats your boat, then this release of Black Jackets is just what the interdimensional doctor ordered. Published by Bad Bug Media, Black Jackets 4 and 5 continues the creepy story of five teenagers who are reluctantly thrown into the ranks of a monster hunting fraternity. Written by Mike Tenner and illustrated by Francisco Tomaselli, Black Jackets is filled with thrills, chills, and teen drama you'll grow to love. Published by Bad Bug Media, listeners can support Black Jackets 4 and 5. Catch up on the first three issues and pick up a whole bunch of swag by clicking the link in the show notes or searching Black Jackets on Kickstarter. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Like, I really, like, you're one of my favorite people to talk to in all of comics. I love Bob and Ke- Bob, Kevin, you guys are both amazing. I love you both. I honestly, every time I feel like I talk to you, I feel like I'm talking to, like, my aunt, my long-gone <laughs> aunt, who's just sitting in her living room in Tenafly, New Jersey, just complaining about stuff. Like, you know I, I'm from Teaneck, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what we talked about this last time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just get this sense of, like, I'm back in Jersey with my mom's sisters, and they're just talking about the neighbors and stuff, and I just, I just love it like it makes me feel so like nostalgic but it's funny because you're 44 you're 45 i'm 44 like we're all relatively peers but i just feel like i'm yeah. just gonna listen to aunt erica complain about stuff for a while this is awesome according to according to my mother i was an old lady the day i was born <laughs> i have always been an old crotchety curmudgeon i always have been and i've posted photos online before of the day i came home from the hospital and i literally look like a cross between angry Walter Matthau and angry Winston Churchill. That's awesome. And unlike and unlike most babies, I was actually born with, you know how they say, oh, all babies are born with blue eyes. That's yeah. actually not true. I was born with very dark. I have dark eyes and I was born with dark eyes. So you have this angry, screaming, wailing thing with these dark eyes staring at you. I mean, if I was my mother's first, I was her third. But if I was her first, I would have dropped me and run. <laughs> just dro- left you at the post office or something or the firehouse. Wouldn't even. Well, that's the thing is I, the hospital that I was born in, she actually worked there. So she okay, probably couldn't so, have done that, yeah, 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 but she could have, she could have just like, kind of like, you know, punted me across the street to the, <laughs> to the police station that was right across the street. Just be like, here, take this demon. But I'm glad she didn't because I'm sure she's very proud of you and all you've accomplished in your, in your life and career. And I'm sure she would have, I'm sure she would have rather I be like an accountant or no. a physical therapist no or you know a more a more no. steady steady no. gig my brother-in-law my brother-in-law is a physical therapist and he still lives at home with his parents like there's no there's no future in that business come on i mean we're all gonna die anyway it's all you're all just putting off the inevitable yeah but then when i talk about dying you think that i'm the one who's like so morbid and you're no, the one no, saying not... oh don't be a physical therapist i'm just saying <laughs> there are plenty of ways to waste your life physical therapy is one of those like top-notch ways that's all i'm saying i'm not i'm not i'm not disparaging you i think you're great i think physical therapists are dumb because they don't really do anything and they just like they crack your they're glorified masseuses come on like, man like like, be... like like a like a better paid chiropractor yeah, is that what it is okay. no, i, I, I I think it's just more schooling, I think, as a physical therapist. There's like, 
there's, you know. Uh, uh, well, to uh, tell you the truth, that was my first major in college. Really? <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so you know which what is, I'm talking Which is why I joke, because, well, what happened was, so I go to school and I learned this after I finished, you know, I, I don't know if it was this, this for every school, but at our school, at, after your, the, toward the end of your second semester, your sophomore year, you had to like 100% declare your major. Mm-hmm. So after my first year, I got like all my foundations courses and everything done. Uh, all my science, all that bullshit that I had to do. And then I learned that the physical therapy program was not technically accredited at the school. Ah. So if you had wanted to get your physical therapy license, you would automatically have to then go to grad school to get your master's. And I'm like, I don't have money for undergrad. How the <laughs> hell am I going to pay for grad school? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I switched So I switched majors to, to English. Okay. And uh, I, I shit you not about a week before graduation, all of my friends who had stuck it out, who already were accepted into a graduate program for physical therapy, about a week before graduation, accreditation came through. Oh, of course it does. That's how it (laughs) works. Of course it does. So now I've got, you know, I've got girlfriends from college who are PhDs in physical therapy and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I've got an English major and I write comic books. I mean, but the thing is, everybody thinks that's cool when you say that, though. Everybody thinks that's cool. If you go to career day at a kid's school and you're a fucking PhD with a physical therapist or you write comic books, who do you think the kids are going to want to talk to, Eric? They won't even talk to the fireman. They'll talk to the comic. They want to talk to you. Yeah. You know what? To be honest, they're going to ask you if you know Dog Man. Me as a kid, I would talk to the fireman or I would talk to the to the physical therapist. That's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, the fireman has done as a kid. He's got the coolest ride. So, like, you know, that's. That's where you yeah. go. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying. I mean, the I, physical therapy just crack your bones, you know? Yeah, but it's still, it's it's all malarkey and black science. And the kids don't understand anyway, because yeah. when I went to when I went to my son's one, he's like, so can you draw Spider-Man? And I was like, no, I write comics. And he was like, like, he made this face at me, like, like, I, like I'm dumb. <laughs> he's like, you're so That's dumb. Awesome. Like, you can't draw Spider-Man? I was like, no, no, I can't dad. draw anything. I'm useless. You only fun. gave me 23 chromosomes. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a, I was at a literacy day at my kid's school. This is when I had my all ages book. And there was a kid who read an entire trade in front of me. And I, when he was finished, I was like, so what'd you think? And he went, it was all right. And then just walked away. Was it Monty? <laughs> yeah, it was Monty. The kid yeah. was like, it was okay. It was awesome. I was so happy. <laughs> it was hilarious. I was like, dude, that's the best. Like he read the whole book in front of me. So did you like it? Meh. He gave me the Larry David. It was awesome. It was awesome. There was that kid that did that to us in West Virginia. We did an all ages book called Full Moon Fredo. And this kid in West Virginia, he was like reading the book and he was just like reading it. And we were both sitting there because we wrote it. It was one of the first things we wrote together. And we were watching. Waiting on bated breath to hear this kid's reaction to our book. And he couldn't give a fuck. He was like, he went, eh. Like, that's what he did. Did you like it? He was like, "Eh, I like the monkey. And then he walked away. <laughs> there you go. I was like, that was See, it. That's was like, the okay. thing is when people stand at my table and read stuff, I was like, this isn't a fucking library. <laughs> <laughs> you can straight jersey on them. You, you get, get straight you jersey get on them. Five pages. 
It's like it's like going to Amazon. You get five preview pages, and then you either buy it or you leave. I want to like see Erica I'm, Soprano. She's gonna I go. want to. I'm gonna go to your table in like a fake mustache and like a silly hat and just a fake mustache. I'm staring at a real one. Right I mean, now. I'm saying like I'm, I'm. This is lazy. I'm just have. I haven't shaved because I'm just lazy, and I wear a mask all day. I. So who cares? I'm glad. I'm glad I don't have the HD camera. <laughs> but I'm. I'm gonna go dress in costume, and then I'm just gonna read your books and see if you. Hey, get the fuck out of here, buddy. <laughs> no, well, if it's New York Comic Con, my brother's usually with me. My brother is an ape. He's like, well, I mean, he's 50 now, so he's probably shrunk a little. Uh-huh. Uh, but in his heyday, he was like 6'7, six, 6'8. Six, and Holy he's just smokes. a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. He's absolutely a beast. Like his hand, like, you know how you like put your hand like heel to heel with somebody? Like uh-huh. his hand could like wrap around. <laughs> oh I'm like, I am like the tiniest thing to him at 5'5. Five, five. And so he'll, so what I always do is I get like a pro badge and then I also get um, the, uh, the artist alley badge. So I'll give him my pro badge. So he'll sometimes, you know, be at my table. And if somebody's bothering me, he just stands at full height and he'll just get up and just be like, Ugh. and everybody will just be like, Jesus Christ, there's a gorilla <laughs> at your table. I'm like, yes. And if you do not want to piss the gorilla off, buy something or leave. That's awesome. <laughs> If he oh, chokes Lance yeah. Bobby through a table, I'll give him fifty dollars. That'd be amazing. So, like, so he's got, see, that's the thing is he's got the reach. So like yeah, he can literally just reach across yeah. the table and grab somebody. And Me, so I'd be like, it, eh, with like my arm, my my arms and my legs dangling. No, no, no. He would just be like. So, so, so you have so you're because you're three. You said your mom had three. Yes. Are you are you the youngest one? I'm the baby. I have an older sister, and then my brother is the oldest. The brother who's the ape, who you already talked about. My my brother who's the ape, and he's got look. He has long curly hair, and he looks kind. And because he's so big, and I said this before on a podcast, and I know if my brother ever listens to this, he's gonna like freaking like choke slam me. But he basically, <laughs> when he when he grows his hair long, which as of right now it's like shoulder length, it's like longer than my hair right now. It's it's very curly. And he kind of looks like if Weird Al and Jesus Christ had a baby. <laughs> had a giant baby. And a Sasquatch. They all got had together. Weird Al, Yetis, and Christ <laughs> had some like experimental like mumbo jumbo going on and plopped out my brother. That's awesome. Yes. That's wonderful. Yes, giant you are. Yes, you ape Christ. with like <laughs> Jesus hair. <laughs> Like I don't understand but why he's you're got not, great hair. He's got great hair. Why are you not writing this book? Like this is a comic like you need to the write. Son yes. of Jesus. What and Sasquatch, Sasquatch Jesus? Yeah, yes. like the son of Sasquatch like, Jesus. Right? Like, yes. It's but yes. that seems that because seems a he little... would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have to know it's about him. Yeah. He works my table at a convention. Okay, you're telling me okay. that's true. You're he figured out really eventually. Would be like, oh, really? This book isn't about me. How many other Sasquatches do you know? He could play an accordion. Like he got that from the Weird Al jeans. He could play the accordion. My my dad actually used to play the accordion. Really? (laughs) That's fun. Yes. Did he play like at family functions and things of that name? Like when would he, my question is like, if you play the accordion, when do you break out that skill? You know what I mean? Like, well, he hey, also played hey, guitar. He, okay, all right. He, he also played guitar. So he would he would break out the the acoustic guitar at like, you know, family barbecues and mm-hmm. shit. You know, you know that time when it's like the sun's getting kind of low and everybody's had their beers yeah. and mm-hmm. everybody's just like sort of chilling. 
and everybody and then you know everybody breaks out the guitars and yeah, just start like singing starts, songs from nebraska and shit. Like, yeah like, yeah just <laughs> starts like singing like freaking old bob dylan <laughs> and like the everly brothers there you go or like the chieftains because my dad was irish so like you know that kind of thing and then just you know but he did play the accordion when he was a kid that's cool so yeah so we had this old beaten up broken accordion where the bellows were like all cracked and everything because they were so it was so old uh but yeah it sounds like a very interesting upbringing that you've had like i, I really I'm, it's really kind I of don't fascinating know how interesting I don't I mean, know how you've got your was. giant Sasquatch brother and your accordion Yeah, who was like six dad. feet tall at 14. Yes, it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, mean, he was like six feet tall at 14 with like a full mustache. Yeah, that awesome. was my brother. <laughs> yeah. Growing uh, up in and, and yeah, my, 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 my brother was my brother's five and a half, six years older than me. My sister's about two and a half years older than me and then me. So you're the you're the baby of the bunch and clearly the most successful in the comics field, right? Like, I mean, did they did they facilitate the comics onto you? Is that is that how that happened, or how did that get involved in in your well, my brother would story? get like my brother mm -hmm. would get the comics from the Seven Eleven, or there's a place called Rocklands in Teaneck that has like candies and comics and cigarettes, like when you know, like a bodega kind of. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but it's Jersey, so they don't, they don't call it a bodega, <laughs> and uh, they call it a corner store. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he would get comics and I would just, you know, grab whatever he had, which was mostly at the time that he was pulling the stuff. It was like Claremont X-Men. It was like Claremont Byrne, Claremont Austin, Claremont Lee. Um, it was the uh, so Batman, like uh, the um, uh, Death in the Family, Batman, Death, mm -hmm. Death in the Family, that kind of thing. And it was basically mostly you know big I, I don't ever remember well first of all most of it was before image but i don't <laughs> ever really remember a lot of indie books coming in yeah like i don't remember a lot of heavy metal or 2000 ad it was basically like batman spider-man x-men like just the big two books that were like you know huge at that time yeah whatever you could get on the spinners like because i grew up in queens so yeah. like whatever getting on the spinners yeah same yeah whatever whatever was that was that was good. I mean, this way you didn't have to go to a comic shop, whatever you could get at the 7-Eleven, whatever you could get, you know, wherever. Well, Every now and then like, you'd get I, that. Well, I feel like when we were kids, again, because we're all contemporaries, the idea of a comic shop was just so foreign. Like they didn't, they didn't have comic shops where I, I had spinner racks at the grocery store at 7-Eleven, but like a store that just sold comics, that it was, that didn't happen for me until like the 90s after like the it, it was early 90s. Yeah. Yes. And and I didn't see an actual comic shop until I was in Virginia visiting my brothers. So like um, for the summer. So like then I actually saw like my brother's older than me. So he, his sons are older than me. So like my nephews are technically older than me, which is really weird, but true. And they used to take me to the, they took me to the comic shop here. And I was like, there's a, con there's a whole shop full of comic. What, what is this? Like so. There was a comic shop in Teaneck. It came around, I want to say late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Um, but the 7-Eleven was within walking distance for us. Okay. So that's probably why we mostly got the stuff of the 7-Eleven because we could walk to the 7-Eleven. If we were walking to the comic shop, that was way, way farther walk. Like you could walk to the 7-Eleven in probably about 15 minutes, maybe 20. If you wanted to walk all the way to the comic shop, it's probably closer to like almost an hour to get all the wow, way down there. Okay, okay. So, um, and also like these were like main, like, 
Teaneck isn't a city city, but you know, it's, it's pretty populous. So like riding your bike on the roads wasn't, especially on these main drags, wasn't a hundred percent, you know, fun. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we, and I mean, the the easiest way probably to have gotten there would be to either walk or take a bus. (laughs) So. And it was probably hilly too, because I remember Tenafly being very hilly. Lots of dumb hills in Tenafly. <laughs> it's funny because so the the Seven Eleven is like you have to go up kind of like a, an okay hill to get to the Seven Eleven. But once you want to go like all the way up to you know Cedar Lane to where like all the um, the main shops are, mm-hmm. that's an incline. <laughs> that is a hell of an incline. Yeah. And I remember huffing it and and I used to live at the bottom of a hill. Like my street was at the bottom of the hill. You would go down the bottom of the hill and you'd hang a right. And I remember trying to huff it up that fike lane. And I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> and you would just get off your bike and walk and push. It. You'd have to push it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd have to push. And then you'd see like some high school kid who had the like uh the moped with like the five horsepower uh uh engine. Mm-hmm. You know, and he'd be like, like buzzing past you. We're like, fuck you, Frank McCall. That was his name, Frank McCall. He lived like three blocks away from me. Awesome. Fuck you, Frank McCall. Yeah, Frank. I wonder what and you're your, doing. And now. your Vespa. You loser, little. No, he didn't have a Vespa. He had one of those, like, like a little motorized like 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 bike, yeah. like a little Honda. He's in Frank McCall. If he had a Vespa, he would actually be kind of cool. I always wanted a Vespa. <laughs> me too, <laughs> right? Kind of cool. Like it's so it's so trendy and European and fun. Like the idea of like zipping around on a Vespa. That sounds awesome, right? I actually, like the Vespa kids on the Boba Fett thing. So yeah, yeah I, I, was, I, I was agree. With I thought the Vespa kids were cool as shit too. I thought I thought they were cool. I, I did. They I was like, like freaking. Cool. They were wannabe Power Rangers. Oh my god! I was, oh, it was just because they were called like if they would have just made all the little like hover Vespas the same color, it would have been fine. They didn't need to be like like you know different colors. Like so, I, was, I, I would agree with that. But I thought I that they fine. were cool. I was fine with it. They looked like little yeah. like British mod kids. Yeah, they were like supposed the to be. That's what they were like yeah. basically yeah. supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is fun. Yeah. I, I thought it was right. not everything. I hate sand. Not everything could be covered in sand and fucking wearing rags in Star Wars. Like let kids <laughs> wear mod suits and have fun. Like they're like, I don't want to look like. Yeah, I'm, let let kids I'm, wear wear denim, you know, vests. Yeah, right. It's better than wearing burlap sacks all the time. <laughs> I like the sand people part the best, though, Bob. I'm, you're hurting my feelings. Yeah, the best part of the show was when they brought in uh, the Mandalorian. Up until then, it was kind of. I mean, it was, what? It was okay. What? I like that whole thing. I don't know. I like the beginning. I was like, Honestly, oh, I, this is cool. I like that. I, I, I hate Baby Yoda. I hate Grogu. I, <laughs> I, I understand. Uh-oh. Uh, Bob's daughter just she came She just here appeared and... out of nowhere. You said you hate Baby Yoda. And Sophie just- Yeah, and your daughter like, showed up like the ring <laughs> Look at her face. Look at her face. She's so mad. I'm really sorry, Bob's daughter. I do- Look, I understand where he comes from from a marketing standpoint, but he's a fucking annoying. Wow. Did you hear that? Look at her face. All right, go to bed. You're gonna, Sophie's going to sleep angry tonight. I'm sorry, Sophie. I'm sorry. I'm genuinely sorry. I'm genuinely sorry. I just lost a fan. What did you say? Sophie says, what's your favorite part of Boba Fett? Fennec Swang. She's the, the... Fennec Shand? Fennec Shand? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely agree. Fennec yeah. Shand is definitely the best part of Boba Fett. Yeah. Everything else can go screw. No, Black Chrysanthemum is great. What are you talking about? <laughs> An evil Chewbacca? I'm in. I'm I was down. just I, I was, just told you about my brother. I have an evil Chewbacca <laughs> already. I was just happy to finally see because you always hear about how t- 
tough Wookiees are. I was actually excited to see a Wookiee like kick some ass. Like I was really happy about that. Yeah, with his like brass knuckles. Like yeah, that yeah. was awesome. His electro brass knuckles. They were dope. I liked that guy. I don't know. I liked. I liked most of the show. I liked most of the show. I'm not wrong. You know what? I think okay. So my my biggest issue, and I had I had this issue with um what call it to uh walking dead and everything this is just my thing and i know it's the worst because i know I, I know i was a child there's photographic evidence of it but i told you i was always born as like an angry old lady like i just i always hate it when they throw a kid in something to um that just screws everything up good night sophie bye sweetie <laughs> that just like that the whole purpose of that child is to be there to screw shit up so then the hero has to turn around and make it better. Like, I hate that trope. I hated Carl. Remember? Like, everybody was like, Carl's always getting in trouble in, in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Like, I hated Carl. I hated Grogu. Um, and I actually, like, I will admit to, to watching, um, I think it was uh, Screen Crush, where they were talking about, like, the Book of Boba Fett. And uh, he made a very good point. The guy on Screen Crush made a point. He said, you know, the whole thing about Grogu leaving and going with Luke at the end of the Mandalorian season two was this really like emotional kind of moment. Yeah. That then sort of gets negated when he comes back like that. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, it, it, it cheapens the moment. And it's kind of like, you know, that idea of like, well, in comics, we all know every, you know, nobody dies in comics. Everybody always right. comes back kind of thing. It kind of cheapens the emotional payoff of it. And I think that, that that kind of frustrated me. Yes, it was great seeing Mandalorian in the Boba Fett show, but it kind of frustrated me that like that's the way they went with it because it's like, well, then your whole, you know, your big finale was just like nothing now. Like what do we do know? all what do we do all that for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel you. What was the purpose of that? You know, just now, you know, in the narrative, what was the purpose? I kind of, of feel that? that way. With did you get? Do you remember seeing the DC um, cartoon, which are always normally so well done, uh, but the death of Superman? Do you remember? Did you see that one where Superman was dead for all of I don't know forty five seconds? It's like, oh man, if Superman's that, dead. Yeah. Hey, there he's back. Look, and it's like, what's, what's the whole fucking point of this thing? Yeah, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, but and, uh, it's, do you it's frustrating because like you want that. I mean, as as a as a creator, as a, as a storyteller, that's exactly you want what I was going to ask. That you. sort of like yeah. emotional, you know, hit. <laughs> you want you want them to feel that. Um, but to then just be like, eh, you know, flip the page and everything's cool, you know, so. You find it hard to watch things because you're a creator and and you're just kind of pick things apart. And does your significant other or family members get frustrated at you while you're just sitting there doing it? My husband and I are the two worst people to ever watch anything with. Um, and I'll tell you why. One, because as I, I'm a writer and he's a film and television editor. Oh, okay. okay. So I will pick it apart from a narrative and character and plot driven, and he'll pick it apart from a technical aspect. Like they linger too long on that shot or they should have <laughs> cut here. Or, you know, they tried to, they tried to pretend like they were doing a, a, you know, one long continuous take, but I can see the cut points. Yeah. You know, things like that. Um, so, and, and also, I mean, one thing I, when I, I, I worked as a lip sync animator for animator for a bit. And whenever I watch uh, like the deep fake Luke Skywalker oh, yeah. or whatever it is, 
I can always tell when the lip sync is off because that's what I did for like five years, just sit there and scrub the audio back and forth and make the lips move. And so it's just like, you know, it really, it gets to me. So he and I are the two worst people to ever watch anything with <laughs> that's awesome. because we will just nitpick to the nth degree. So yeah, we're I awful. And how do you feel about the whole deep fake thing? Like what, what's your thought? Like, Cause you just kind of mentioned it. Like, what do you think about all that? Um, I remember there was a, a film that was announced where they were going to use a deep fake version of um, of uh, uh, James Dean. Really? Okay, and there, I didn't see that. Yeah, this was probably about two years ago. And it turned into like a real, you know, shit show. But to me, I think there are actually moral and ethical, you know, issues with it. To be perfectly honest, like when they when they for Rogue One, I think it was they used Peter Cushing. Yeah, it's like the man died in like the early two thousands or late nineties. You know, like did his estate sign off on that? Like to me, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and I know for uh, what was the movie Doctor Sleep? Yeah, the one the, the Stephen King one. Um, yeah. yeah, when they did Doctor Sleep, they hired actors that were obviously not you know Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson yeah but and and obviously the the little boy who played Danny during the flashbacks was not the same boy obviously the guy's you know older than I am but they hired actors who looked enough like them and embodied the um the performance yeah 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 that you didn't sit there and nitpick and be like, oh, so-and-so's nose is a little too, you know, short or, you know, a little too pointy or, you know, so-and-so's mouth was, you know, they don't have teeth like that or whatever. No. So I think it actually, it's very frustrating because I think you could cast an actor who looks very similar to Mark Hamill. Yeah. And allow that actor to study, to work directly with Mark Hamill, study mannerisms, study cadence of speech and things like that. And to me, that would be more authentic to the character than to have someone have a, a photo, um, a digitally generated face and have the lip sync be off and have there be this almost like weird Bell's palsy in some spots and things like that. You know, I think why not just hire an actor yes. to act? Yes, mm -hmm. you know? I agree. Um, so that's that to me that's kind of frustrating you know it's just oh we're just gonna slap on uh you know some some dots on your face and just you know make it this person it, and it I, doesn't really work that way did you read how they got hamill's voice like they they used a program where they just yeah. they just took all basically how they do the same thing with alexa they just took a program and ran it through all the the movies and the audiobooks and stuff that he's done and they just pieced it together i mean like so like does he yeah. even get paid for doing this i mean they're using his likeness they're using his voice does he get paid for this or is he just like eh too bad kid those are the breaks i remember i think it was empire of dreams but there um i think that was the uh the documentary it's this really long documentary um a Star Wars documentary, but, and I don't know if she was joking or not, but Carrie Fisher had said something about when she signed the contract for Star Wars, she signed her life away. Uh, she signed her likeness, <laughs> and she said she signed her likeness away, okay. and she made the joke that every time I look in the mirror, I have to pay George $5. That's awesome. Um, but I don't know if the likeness rights uh, would extend to that. Okay. 
So, you know, if you think about it, so obviously he wanted some type of likeness rights for the merchandising for all the the action figures and everything. But I do have to wonder when it comes to voices, when it comes to all of that stuff, like where kind of where's the line? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And and Mm -hmm. we see this in comics a lot, too, because. I mean, you know, Brubaker went on and spoke about, you know, how he didn't uh, get paid. He and Steve Epting did not get paid for, you know, Winter Soldier, the movie. Um, They, you know, they got like maybe like $5,000, which I'm not saying is a small amount of money, but considering a movie that's making hundreds of millions of dollars. In a billion dollar franchise. In a a billion plus dollar franchise, you know, um, so you know, it's, it's, we see, it's not obviously not the same, but we see this sort of parallel. So like when you do work for higher work, what is it, are you really giving away? Yes. You have the prestige for lack of a better term. You have the opportunity to work on these characters. Um, But if a major film, especially with Marvel and even with DC to a certain extent, if a major film is made out of the characters that you have either created or curated then what happens, you know, um, and, you know, nobody wants to say it, but yes, we live in a capitalistic society that, you know, you can't pay your mortgage with hugs. Like you, have to, <laughs> you need money. Yeah. So, I mean, like what happens with that? And, and I think that that's sort of like a very interesting um, parallel to this idea of, you know, if an actor passes away or what if an actor chooses not to be in the film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then they had at one point signed over likeness rights or whatever. Do they, does the studio still have the ability to use them? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. mm-hmm. it, I think it's, it's a very strange gray area and, you know, smarter legal minds than mine would, uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, wiggle room to, you know, to negotiate yay or nay and either. But I mean, the people that are really going to get screwed, though, are usually the actors because everybody knows a contract is always written in favor of the big company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so and the same with the comics. Yeah. Just, Kevin, yeah. you beat me yeah. to it. But I, mm-hmm. I, but I think with comics, I think it's one of those things where Brubaker and those guys, like they, they use the two party system for lack of a better term marvel and dc to kind of build an audience to build a cred and then they just bounce and do whatever the fuck they want and that's where the money comes in it feels like that's very much the trend is you do creator own stuff forever to get to marvel and dc then once you get to a certain point at marvel and dc you bounce and go back and do creator own stuff well i mean that's honestly that's the image seven model yeah it really is you know i mean everybody who you know Sylvestri and McFarlane and Lee and every they all worked their way through the Marvel and DC system and then said screw it we're going to do our own thing so it's it's kind of this and and especially for writers it's kind of this weird sort of circle jerk of you got to do independent work to get an audience to get the attention of an editor to then be able to get you know Marvel or DC work to then you know be able to pay your bills to then go (laughs) you know and, you know, to then be in it long enough to get screwed, to then go back to doing independent <laughs> work, you know, and just hope that during that circle, you've gotten enough of an audience, enough of a of a following to then bring them to Image, Aftershock, you know, whomever. 
or even so, just put your own stuff out. So then where are you in the circle then? Like, where are you then? Like, well, I'm always middle management. Okay. I don't all know right, if I'll right. ever get out of middle management. Okay. All right. It's not uh, a bad place to be though, right? Like, like Rafiki, not, she's no. holding up the story, like to the, <laughs> to the world. <laughs> it's not a terrible place to be, but see, I, I also diversify a lot because I'm not just writing. I'm also editing. I'm an yes. editor at Mad Cave. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of lettering work. Um, I, I write. So I, you know, I teach, I, 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 have my hands in a lot of different pies mm -hmm. um probably because i get bored easily um so i always sort of have something to sort of bounce back to to sort of like and especially and 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 one of the good things about being in so many involved in, in many different things is that if i hit a writer's block i can turn around and say you know what i'm going to put this aside i've got uh i've got a script i need to review for mad cave let me shut my brain off from trying to write and, you know, banging my head against the wall and shut my brain off to, and, and turn my, my editing brain on here. Yeah. And then it lets me focus. And then after I do that, a lot of times, then I'll be able to sort of like let my creative brain heal a little bit to then be like, oh yeah, by the way, this is the, you know, the solution to that problem that you couldn't get out of. So it's very interesting. That now, is interesting. Right, now, right now you're doing, um, you've got bylines in blood because you mentioned Aftershock, you've got your book out with them right now. Yes. How, how's yes. that going? I, I've, I've heard good things about this book. I there. have heard good things Mrs. about this book. Well, sci-fi, sci-fi. With your fancy Schultz. book. <laughs> well, Sci-Fi Wire actually said that it was one of the, my friend Eric Burnham, who wrote, who's writing the G.I. Joe, uh, the, you know, basically like the Saturday morning cartoon version of G.I. Joe. Okay. Uh, it, for IDW, sent me an article today saying, hey, look, we both made, you know, the, you know, top books of February. Ooh. Um, nice. So from, from Sci-Fi Wire, um, I, I can't say enough about working with Van Jensen and working with Anike because the two of them are just incredible and anything that I bring to the table, they just make it better. That's awesome. Um, so it's really, it's, it's been a really great experience working with them in general, crafting this character, crafting this world. Um, and for the, for the record, we wrote about a pandemic in 2019 <laughs> when Van and I started working on this, it was in 2019. And it was well before COVID. Uh, and the pitch got greenlit just before, you know, like it was like late, late 2019, early, early 2020. Uh -huh. So like the pitch got greenlit before all of this stuff, but everybody's like, oh, they're using COVID in a very interesting way. It's like, no, we didn't. I swear to God. <laughs> like, I'll show you the emails. So since it's not COVID, what is it? Can but you the tell fun, the audience you, what it before is? Before you do that, before you tell us what the audience what it is, isn't it fun the way people see your work yeah, sometimes in complete and different ways that you didn't even imagine? But some reviewer somewhere will go, "Oh, I love the themes here," and you're like, "Where are you picking this stuff up?" And like, <laughs> it, it's it's a weird kind of it's a weird chest bump for yourself. Cause like, I didn't even know how good I am. Right. Like, it's <laughs> oh, I'm just like, I didn't even, did I write this in my sleep and just not think about it? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I kind of have like a, a Jungian view of things like with the collective unconscious. So I kind of think that sometimes if, if someone picks up on something that I, I did not intentionally intentionally put in, then I think sort of like unintentionally the collective unconscious kind of put it in and okay. they just happened to be more attuned to it than I did. Um, 
in t- Kevin, you had you had asked about uh, what do I think of people sort of what cut what is the pandemic it there's no real general there's no real specific thing it was just a pandemic that um affected most of the people mm-hmm. on the planet and some people got it really bad to the point where they were almost uh stripped of melanin so we have these characters who are uh almost look albino okay and mm-hmm. uh you know the the pejorative term for them is the clorox you know, or they call them bleach stains or something like that. But most of these people have been disenfranchised and you see them scattered throughout the crowd scenes, but you also see in the first issue, there's a, a direct interaction that Sacha has with one of them and, and he will come back um, in issue three and you'll see, you know, you'll see him again in issue three. But there, there's, the, the story deals a lot with disenfranchisement. It deals a lot with this idea of, um, you know, we live in a post-truth world, which I still don't understand what the hell that means. Um, but truth is truth. Like, how, how is it post-truth? Like, what does that, what does that even mean? Is that, um, is that like a fancy way? Like when they're like, when they said like post-punk or post-hardcore, like, good, like, I, you know, when you say weird. post, I mean that 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 you know prefix means after. So after truth. Well, what's after truth? It's All right. So like according to truth? Google, according to Google, oh, post truth is a periodizing uh, concept referring to transitional historical specific um, observations, public anxieties about public truth claims and authority to be legitimate public truth teller. So take that as you will. I don't even really know what that means. And I just read it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) So so the definition still is perplexing. The definition is more confusing than term. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, my grandfather used to always say the truth is neither mean nor, nor nice if it's the truth. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know, um, and that's what I get sort of frustrated, but I know, I mean, there's spin to everything. Of course. Mm -hmm. So, um, so basically, I mean, one of the things that we discuss in this story is this idea of, you know, everybody has sort of their own version of reality. And there are some characters who um, they feel as if they don't believe anything unless they see it with their own eyes. So they literally will walk around with like GoPros on their shoulders, like, or body cams <laughs> or things like that as a way to not only cover their own ass because the world is incredibly paranoid, but as a way of saying, well, I can prove to you what I saw because look right here. Um, and sort of the king shit of all of that is this guy named Jen who, um, who was a survivor of, you know, he, he's pretty much the only albino looking person that is not living on the streets that hasn't been disenfranchised. Um, and he sort of leads this movement uh, called the truthers which is basically all these people that really, you know, have this idea of I'm not going to believe that it happened unless I see it with my own eyes and I've I've got you know photographic proof of it. Um, so he has this sort of company where he he aggregates all of this footage and he considers himself sort of the arbiter, the the arbiter of all the truth because he's got it. You know, it's on it's on tape. Mm-hmm. You can't. Mm-hmm. It's undisputed. Uh-huh. You know, and and but we know that that's that's false. I mean, I mean, we were just talking about deep fakes right there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so everything has a uh, 
everything has, you know, a workaround. Um, and, and every character has a breaking point. Um, and we're going to see a lot of breaking points. Um, I will have to, I do have to say this. My favorite character is Tom. Tom is the best. The sidekick slash he's an accountant. He lives down the hall and, you know, like such as catchphrase is always, oh, fucking Tom, you know, <laughs> but Tom, Tom is like the, he's the heart. He really is. He's, he's the heart and he's the one who, who keeps her grounded. Um, and, and I think that as frustrating as he can be, uh, he really is uh, a very good friend and, and, and their friendship will be tested. I'll tell you that. All right. All right. So, so right now, I think what issue three just came out, right? This is monthly. Is this coming out monthly to like five issues or whatever? Yes, it's coming out monthly. Issue three comes out March 16th. Okay. I don't know what day, uh, what, when is this airing? Probably next month, next Monday or Tuesday. So right okay. around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So issue three comes out March 16th. Okay. Um, and then it's four issues for this first arc. And what, uh, now there's going to be a second one already. They're already. I'm, I'm not Listen saying to that. I am not confirming nor no, am I denying come on. anything. You already said first arc. When you say first yeah. arc, there's going to be a second one. Cause why would you say first? Mm. Look, point, I'm just saying this happens to be <laughs> the first four issues that, I mean, we're very happy with it. Aftershock seems to be very happy with it. We'll see mm. what happens. So let's do more then, if everybody's that, so happy. That's a right? post-truth answer, Bob. You better watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, just, that's look, just me being a I good mean, journalist. Like I said, Van and... <laughs> <laughs> Van and Anike are fantastic to work with. And I do have to say this, Anike is doing all the art on her own. She's okay. doing the covers. We had Wando do a uh, a variant cover for issue number one, but Anike's done all the covers. She's done all the line art. She's done she's doing all the colors. And when you look, each scene has its own palette. Yeah. Um, and she really just oh I mean she's just doing such an amazing job That's she awesome. really is and i and i will work with her and i will work with van again anytime they they really are great collaborators and and awesome people to work with isn't it um, so nice like when you find your tribe almost like you find a group of i mean that's really what i feel like because i mean you find a group of people that you work together with and you just try to let's do this more let's do this more let's do this more yeah. like it's so wonderful you know mm-hmm. and it's i mean and i have that with claire Connolly. i have that with liana kangas um there there are some people that just really you just you click instantly and mm-hmm. and you seem to have almost like a like an instant shorthand with each other um, and I think that that's important too, because you want it to be, you don't want to be the only one coming up with ideas because then, you know, you know, it is a collaboration and you need there to be this give and take. Um, and, and I think it's, it's really, I mean, when, when I was, you know, sitting down with Van originally and I was like, okay, well, what's your process? Because I know some people are like, yeah, you know, in, in uh, novel writing, you have pantsers and plotters. You have the people who like sit down and like make the outlines and everything, the plotters. And then you have the people who like write by the seat of their pants and then end up throwing away, you know, half of what they wrote after <laughs> the first draft is done. You know, so like one, you, you know, waste time in air quotes in the beginning, but you know, your first draft is pretty tight. And the other one, you sort of waste time at the end because you got to go back and rewrite half of it. Yeah. So I was kind of worried uh, that he was going to be a pantser and I was going to be a plotter. I'm like, how's this going to work? But we do really have a very similar um, 
a very similar uh, uh, process, uh, which was great. So um, when it came down to like, okay, so we're going to work on the outline of the issue together. We'll, you know, you know, agree on the beats, and then it's a matter of okay. Um, you take that scene, I'll take the next chunk, you know, kind of thing. And so some we split up where I would take the first 12 pages, he would take the last, vice versa. Others, I'd be like, okay, I'm taking pages one through five and then like eight through 12 or whatever. And we would just sort of break it up into, into chunks. And, you know, with one issue we turned around with basically it's like, okay, I'm, I'm writing all the scenes with, uh, with the Jen character, or I'm writing all the scenes with Tom, and then you focus on, you know, the scenes with Sacha, and then, you know, you focus on her voice on that, you know, so we really just broke it up in different ways, but it, it works, and then whenever we finish, then we hand it off to the, to each other, and then give it a pass, just to make sure everything feels consistent, and it doesn't feel patchwork, um, and then, you know, we hand it off to editors, and they, you know, they do their job, so they want to make make comments I'll, you know i get it as an editor i get it you don't you don't want to be like it's perfect that was so you dismissive and job. awesome like it, i mean they look at it and whatever i mean it's fucking perfect by the time they get it but they, they gotta earn a no, check somehow not. It's not because, because i will always forget to put a comma in the right place or something uh-huh. like that but i mean look it is it is i always say making comics is like building a sandwich so you've got to have like a good story, you got to have a good script, you got to have a good edits, you know, you got to have good art and good color and good lettering, you know, it's like no, you're right. a, you're a right. nice you're big, right. you know, Dagwood don't forget sandwich. the pickles. Yeah. Don't forget the pickles. <laughs> and don't forget it was, your it was Dagwood who used to have the giant sandwich. Yes, right? it was. Yeah. Yes. So there you go. No so like one nobody... under the age of 40 has any idea who Dagwood, who Dagwood is. is. It's like, who the it's... fuck is Dagwood? They don't know who Blondie is, so they're not going to know who Dagwood is. Well, I mean, they might know who Debbie Harry Blondie is. Yeah, I was going to say, yes. they might know Debbie Harry Blondie. Dagwood was yeah. kind of a dick because he'd always come home drunk and like his, just be a kind of a crappy guy to his wife who seemed very sweet. I never liked that Dagwood. He's a dick. Dagwood, I, I've got, always felt was just so immature, and he never got out of his teens. Yeah. Never, he certainly never ate like he got out of his. He teens. was the Frank guy with the five bold tutor. Look, That's who like, he was. When Frank, you when you, when you Google Dagwood, guy. when you that Google Dagwood, guy. you immediately see a Dagwood sandwich. Like you get it instantly. Like that's the yeah, first the, image. The yeah. yeah, but that's all. making comics. Mm-hmm. So you know, yes. so the editors have to <laughs> have to give their input, and I get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really just it's a matter of we're working with a really great team. And, and I say, I, I probably don't say it enough. I'm, I'm genuinely insanely lucky to be able to be working uh, with the team. And, you know, Christina and Teddy and Mike, who are the editors over at Aftershock and Ruth Ann and, you know, the rest of the peeps there are just really, really good. And, uh, and they're very, um, they're very communicative. And I know I'm a pain in the ass and I ask 400,000 questions every single email. And they're just like, oh, okay, Erica's asking these questions again. You know, <laughs> I'm, I, you know how like Dagwood never got out of his teens. I never got out of my toddler phase of asking why. I mean, I but mean, there's nothing wrong with asking why. You might as well try to get what you can get and everything's clear and figure it out. Like, I think that's, that's just being very, uh, very open and very, uh, you're, you're communicating well. I think that's good. It's good. 
I'm thorough to the point of annoying the shit out of people. But but I think that makes you a hell of an editor because one thing that Chaz always asks us is like, why is the scene here? He'll say that sometimes. Like he won't have a critique on the scene. He'll think like the the writing is well done, but he'll be like, why is this here? Yeah, like what, yeah. what is the purpose? Yeah. So like sometimes we don't even think of that. We're just um, and sometimes when we do stuff for like we're like lost in character. So like we're like, oh this. There's a dick joke there, Chaz. That's that's why this is all here. This is all an elaborate fucking scene for a dick joke. (laughs) It was another thing with like WandaVision, like everything like ended up with the whole thing with with Pietro. It all ended up being like a Ralph Boner, I think was the, it was like some (laughs) Boner joke or something like that. We went through four episodes just for a stupid Boner joke. (laughs) I mean, the better the setup, the better the landing of the dick chug, I guess, right? Like, you really got to get that payoff. It was know. still, it was still, uh, yeah. It was a bit of a soft landing. Oh, <laughs> oh that's why you're a writer. Look, that's, that's classic yeah. stuff right there. So you're doing your thing, like, you got this coming out. Um, are you still do? because I saw what, um, because uh, you just released Forgotten Home from Dark Horse. Dark Horse put that out too, yes, yes? April. 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 Okay. okay, I thought it's that was finally coming that. out, and okay. it's co- coming out in print in April. Okay, and you know, considering the fact that I can't even find it on Comicsology anymore, it's good that I'll have print copies of it. Dude, like, what the <laughs> fuck happened to Comicsology, man? It's know. crazy. I it's don't just, know. It's just gone. I. It's so sad. I can't find any. You know, it's funny because I just I just got put on another project, and I purchased. Uh, like three trade paperbacks to research this character. Mm-hmm. And I read through all of them. And then I was working on my script the other day, like literally Friday, I was working on my script and I said, Oh, you know what? I just want to double check something. And I went back to the, to the tablet to check. And I could not find the three trades that I literally bought a week ago, just to so- check, to see this, like one thing. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know where they are. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, you just got to click this tab and do this and do that. I'm like, but it used to just be my books. Yeah, it used to just, <laughs> just be there. My books, and it would be right fucking there, and it's not even there. So, and I'm just like, I just, I can't anymore. It's really very frustrating. And and I got to be honest, like, the dividends that are coming out from it are ridiculous. Like, I literally got a check for 18 cents. Yeah. And I'm not, I am not, like, I will yeah, show yeah. you my bank statements. I'm not making this. It was 18 cents. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what is even the point? Yeah. We got one for five. Yeah. It's, it just sucks. Cause I mean, like, the, this is going to kill digital comics. Like, the, yeah. it, this is going to put, the idea of digital comics are over now like that the, the the way people will read digital comics will be on marvel unlimited i don't even think dc has the service anymore um dc had an app and then they got just, rid of what? it yeah to go and you know i remember when remember when dark horse was one of the few holdouts for comiXology and then it was this big shit thing that yeah. dark horse was joining comiXology because i remember i was at san diego when it happened and it was this big thing. Oh, Dark Horse has got you know we're gonna release all the all the Hellboys, all the Grendel, all this you know all this other stuff. And we were like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, guess what? I can't find any of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't find my Hellboy on my omnibus. Yeah. I can't find you know baby BRD. I can't find you know Ghost. I can't find any of the shit that I bought. Sucks. Yeah. And I don't. And I'm like, I don't even. I don't get it. Um, I know it wasn't perfect but it was functional. This isn't even functional. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, that's what I'm just so confused by all of it. Like, I don't understand why this decision had to be made and whoever made it, 
Like, why? It's like they're just making it harder to read comics. Like, and, and it's sometimes it's sort of like going to a shop sometimes is hard enough because you have to yeah. deal with the kind of man children that are there that want to nitpick every little thing and like yada yada and like you got to put up with that bullshit so it's just like i yeah i don't know man it's it definitely who would win in a fight bob batman or dagwood i don't even mind those conversations <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding though I'm that's kidding. i mean that's a fun conversation to have let's have that conversation um I mean, Dagwood has a big mouth because he eats those sandwiches. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he could swallow Batman whole or something. I don't know. But it's it's it, you go there and it's just such a shitty environment sometimes. Not all shops, but some shops it's very like toxic and kind of gross. Yeah. So why? Like, what's the point? Also, I mean, I know at least two dozen people that when Comicsology really took off sold their entire collections yeah oh my Mm -mm. okay so Mm -mm. i know plenty of people that sold their collections completely and said i'm going just digital and everything and Mm -hmm. i was like that's great and to be honest i've always kept i mean i i my dad was a hoarder literally a hoarder so like i do i have like a big purge like every you know year and I keep everything down to two long boxes in terms okay. of my physicals. <clears throat> so I'll go through, you know, spring cleaning time is coming and I'll go through and I will say, okay, to my nephews, all right, you're getting like last year, I said, they, I gave them the entire new 52 run of Batman, the entire That's new awesome. 52 run of Detective Comics, the entire new 52 run of Nightwing. I'm like, here enjoy you know kind of thing take them enjoy you know get them out of get them out of the long boxes um so i'll be going through and doing you know my purge soon but i don't have the opportunity to fall back on digital i mean yes technically i do if i go through that you know like you know, maze labyrinth of insanity to try and <laughs> navigate the app. I'm sure I can figure it out if I sit down, if I take a good hour to, to really figure it out. But it's like, there really should be no reason to have like a 12 to 15 tweet thread on how to find the books that you have already spent your money on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and it's really, it's going to make me think twice about a lot of things, which is incredible. I, I never want to do that. I never want to be like, I'm never going to do this or I'm never going to do that. No, but it's, it is going to make me think twice about saying, okay, well, some of my indie work, am I going to put it up on Comixology? Is it yeah. worth putting up on Comixology? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like Deadliest Bouquet that, that came out. Um, and Great thank book, you both for which supporting is wonderful. it. Thank Great you. Great book, by the way. Thank you. Uh, and I appreciate the two of you supporting it. You guys are amazing. And I cannot wait for Dust Pirates because I was one of the lucky people who got uh, uh, an advance preview. Um, <laughs> even even before the digital went out, I got the advance preview. <laughs> um, but you know, are we going to put that up on on Comicsology? You know, I wanted yeah. the backers to have it for a year, um, and then you know I would think about it. But I don't know if we're going to do that. Yeah. Which is frustrating to yeah. to say that. I mean, five years ago, you wouldn't have thought that that was the case. Yeah. 
So I mean, five years ago, there were people who were just making comics to put on comics digital things and yeah. not printing anything at all because yeah. the print it costs too much to print things but at least my work is still getting out there and that was a big question about digital comics when you yeah. were well if you don't want to if you don't want to buy it you can always pick it up digitally are you on comicsology i am and people go oh that was like a I don't want to say like a, a, a marker of success, but people did look at it like, oh, you're on Comixology because for the longest yeah. time, college, Comixology submit, they had um, a standard bear. Yeah, they had a standard bear that you had to hit. You had to have a certain DPI. You had to have this, you had to have that. And yeah. if you didn't meet those qualifications, you weren't getting on. So it kind yeah. of proved that you knew what you were doing in terms yes. of the yeah. production, the yeah. digital production of the comic. Yeah. Because um, if you threw something up there that didn't hit those that that benchmark, it's it basically showed that you were kind of an amateur and you really didn't know what you were doing in terms yes. of digital production of, yeah. the, of the of the book. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was curated and it was a matter of you have. Yes, I see you. The, the cat is like, I'm awake now, which means you have to tell me how handsome I am. You're very handsome. Um, Sounds like Kevin. Kevin does the same thing. I, I do. But I mean, like, it's it's a very strange sort of place to be in right now. And um, especially with Comixology Originals, you know, having a book that was 100% digital, you know, through eight issues and through the trade paperback. And that was the only way that you would get it out. I mean, I would have, you know, postcards at conventions, you know, with, you know, a QR code just saying, you know, here, you know, if you want to see some more of my work, you know, take this and go online to Comixology kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but even the funny thing is that the QR codes that I made for those no longer work. None of the uh, links that I had that would go yeah. directly. Oh, wow. No. So you know how you make like bit.ly links? Yeah. Mm -hmm. None of the bit.ly links work anymore. Um, because when you go to you know, bit.ly, you know, slash forgotten home doesn't take you and, to the page anymore. I mean, that's a comicsology original book. Like they asked you to do that. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the crazy part about like, they came to you and said, Erica, do this book for us so we can put it exclusively on comicsology. And now you can't even find it. Like, and that's, that's, that's maddening. To me, it, it betrayals the wrong word, <laughs> but it's, I, I know that that's such a, like, that word has got such, such maybe hoodwinked, hoodwinked is a better word. Not even, you not even hoodwinked? Hoodwinked. It's just, no. it's just a, to me, it's just, it's poor planning or yeah. it's, I mean, I mean, I, and I know some people are getting their singles put out. Uh, I know Scott Snyder, but it's Scott Snyder. I mean, this is like top, yeah. top, top, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, um, Dark Horse is putting out singles of, uh, of his book. So it's going to come out digitally and then singles for his comics, LG original books. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I'm very confused by it. Like, and, and being, you know, not only being a creative and being all like, you know, soft and squishy and sensitive, you know, being my, my Zodiac sign is cancer. So of course, like, I think that everything's my fault. So I'm just like, <laughs> did I do something wrong? Did the, this entire multi-billion dollar company make a change because I fucked up? <laughs> who, who do I have to apologize to? You know, and of course, obviously, it has absolutely nothing to do with you. I think that I am the axis on which the earth, the earth revolves. I know. <laughs> um, but I mean, to me, I was just like, 
it doesn't make sense. It doesn't really benefit anybody. It's not benefiting the fans because the fans are having difficulty finding things, whether it's things that they want to purchase or things that they previously purchased. So right. it's not benefiting them. It's not benefiting the creators because it finds it more difficult for the creators to promote their books because they don't even know where they are. Yeah. Um, and it's not, and I don't know how it's benefiting. I mean, it, it could only be a cost thing, you know, but how is it benefiting the company to such an extent that they can offset the all the articles that have been written. Like there have been several articles that have been coming out left, right, and center about this is, you know, the worst thing to happen to comics, you know, since, you know, the comics code or, yeah. you know, this, that, and the next thing, like, I'm, you know, you've lost me as a, um, uh, as a uh, customer and all this other stuff, you know, so it's not benefiting anybody. Yeah. And that's where I, I get so confused by it. And, and then I get frustrated because I don't understand because I want to understand. And the only thing that can make sense to me is it has to come down to money, but it does come down to money for the creators and doesn't come down to money for the customers. It comes down to the money for the, for the company, because when I'm getting, you know, 18 cents and you're getting five cents, yeah. <laughs> or something that you were getting, you know, a lot more than that prior. Yeah. yeah. You know, what is the point? Um, and it's and it's weird too because you were at New York Comic Con. You were there for like a day or you broke you Oh, this in. past year, yeah. yeah. They had as soon as you walked into Artist Alley, there was like a big comicsology spread. There was the couch. They were doing live interviews. They were doing they made they this had the big, big they had the plasma TVs. Yeah, they had this yeah. big hubbub about all these books that are coming out with all these I mean, you're talking top shelf creators, you know, yeah. Chip Zdarsky, uh, uh, all of them, like the big, big names. And then all of a sudden you just cut the legs out from it. Doesn't seem like it's a it's a good way to get back on your re your investment in this whole thing. I it, part of me thinks that it's kind of like, does the left hand not know what the right hand is doing? Yeah, that's, a good you know, point. because I'm wondering if because these companies are so large, you know, there's a lot of chiefs yeah right and they might not really know you know one person is dealing with this svp you know kind of thing but it's it's it kind of sounds like they weren't even talking to each other like yeah. people were going in multiple different directions all thinking that they were the ones sort of you know running the ship and then finding out oh no um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, we ran into an iceberg because that's kind of the way, you know, it, it, it was very abrupt. I think that's the word I'm thinking of. It yeah. was abrupt. Okay. Um, and, you know, I would get emails and I'm sure you would, too. You would get emails about like, oh, maybe you should switch to this Kindle platform. Um, you know, the Kindle, uh, I think it was like KDP or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd read these emails and I would be like, OK, well, it doesn't really sound like it's going to, you know, yes, I'll click yes, please put my books on the KDP. I mean, yeah. obviously I want it to be, you know, cast a wider net, but I don't understand, like, they never said, put it on KDP because Comixology is disappearing. Or else. Right. You know, yes. like, or else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It would have been nice to have notice. Yeah. Yeah, there that was the ship no, was like, sinking. ultimatum. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and I almost felt as if this was an ultimatum. Yeah. You know, and I'm kind of like, but why? Yeah. And and like I said, that's what confuses me so much is 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 it's not benefiting the the fans, it's not benefiting the creators. So, you know, what was the purpose behind it? So I don't know. 
but well, I don't think we're going to figure that out, but I do know your book is coming out. And so that'll be cool. It'll be in print and people can read it'll it. It'll be nice to have it in print. You know what? Okay. I'm going to show you. You won't be borrowing uh -oh. it. <laughs> I have, I have my one comp copy. I gotta really? Go you got a whole comp one. That's amazing. I got my one comp copy. <laughs> this is why Bluetooth headphones are good. Cause I'm in the, other, I'm in the loft and I'm back. Oh, wow. Yes. I see you. I will tell you you're a handsome leader. There it is. Look at that thing. Whoa. That's With awesome. the spot gloss. You that see looks, the spot gloss? Yeah. Oh, oh. And the Ringo. We got the Ringo nominee on there. Let's that. Do, look yes, at that. I have I have the Ringo badge on there. Ballin. Yeah. Ballin. Yeah, I have I have I have my one comp copy for now. Um, hopefully, hopefully more will come soon. <laughs> <laughs> if not, this is the only one I have. Um but yeah, I mean, it's and, it, it'll and be it's since if you're listening to this audio, it's beautiful and it's purple and white. Yes. So look for it on the stands. And if, and with if you spot look at gloss. if you look at the back, you can see my my office is purple and white, so yeah, it, it made a lot of sense. But I mean, I think it looks great. I mean, Natasha Altarici's cover work looks yeah. great. Yeah. Rika Cresta's artwork looks great. Um, it just you know. Matt Emmons did a great job. I love Matt. He's such a nice Matt is fellow. wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful you know, young man. So I'm 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 really I'm I'm very proud of the book. I'm very proud of the team that I worked with on it. And um I'm very happy that it will be in print. Uh because I mean, to me, comics, yes, I, I do have digital comics, but I would always I always like sort of the nostalgia factor of having it and being able to you know, touch it and smell it. You know, you I all, do love you smelling know comics. You all do I, I smell, it. I smell the comics. I do. Yeah. You I like, know you I, do it. I, I smell Everybody the comics. It's fun, but you yeah. know you do it. Yeah. I mean, um, it used to be more with the with the floppies when I was a kid, but like now, like I found like the trades are like I only I only get trades now because if I bought more floppies, I I wouldn't be living here. She would throw me out. So um, I had a friend who had a chair. <laughs> built out of long boxes that's awesome <laughs> he literally had it was it was i i sat down and i'm like this is the most uncomfortable chair ever <laughs> it had uh it had like a sheet over it and he goes move the sheet and i looked and i was like are you serious he built a chair out of long boxes that were filled to the brim with comics <laughs> i'm like this is i was like at least put a cushion on it yeah, yeah right yeah yeah yeah. I mean, I get told all the time, don't back, don't, don't back any more Kickstarters. And then, and she's like, oh, look, it's another book. That's, that's what Danielle will say. It's another book. And I'm like, I mean, yes, it you're is. You're supporting the arts, man. You're a patron of the arts I mean, by supporting Kickstarters. You know? What I have to promise since she has, since she, since she has OCD is like, I will clean out the bookshelf once a year. So once a year I'll go through and then put everything to the side. And then there's a, a, a neighbor kid um, who's like 15 or 16 and she likes comics. So I just go and I was like, you can give these to Chris. Like I these are all things that she'll like. I purge so. trades all the time. I sometimes when I see these other writers showing off their bookshelves on Twitter and social media, they have all these books everywhere and like all these trades. I'm like, nah, I got I get rid of them. Like, cause my wife doesn't want all this shit around. And like, and I'm not, I mean, as much as I enjoyed Ultimate Spider-Man, like I love Ultimate Spider-Man. I think it's fucking brilliant. I'm not gonna go back and read 15 trades of it. Like I'm just not. See, so it's like that's I'm just... the funny thing. My husband will sit there and read 
He has like every iteration of Transformers, <laughs> from the, the UK stuff to the Marvel stuff to the Dreamwave to the IDW, whatever. And he will turn around and he will reread stuff. And I'm like, haven't you already read that? Yeah. I was like, you have shit that you haven't read on your read pile. He's <laughs> like, yeah, but I really, you know, I really like all Hail Megatron. Yeah. Although I do have to say is I did reread. Uh, we have the entire run in trade of uh, Why the Last Man. And I reread it before the show came out. Why the Last Man is a different animal than Ultimate Spider. Like there are things that I True. do have that I will keep. Like I'm looking over at my, like I've, of course I've got like the Watchmen and, you know, uh, Kevin bought me a couple years ago, uh, a hardcover of, um, of uh, uh, Swamp Thing. And I've got my um, Parker novels. Cause I'm going to reread those because it's fucking Parker. Like they're brilliant yeah. pieces of literature and work. But I mean, like, I don't do I need to keep the Hawkman trade that came out a couple months ago because it was cool like I don't think so I read it I'm good I can sell it back to half price books and buy more books you know do you, do you know what I have on my on my on my shelf though mm. is I have Metal Shark Bro that's an, award, <laughs> that's an award-winning book I've got my uh I know I've got my uh, deadliest bouquet somewhere around here. Mine is on my bookshelf. It's pink. I can see I, it. From I, here. I read that thing on vacation, and as soon as I read it, I I messaged you instantly, and I was like, I really enjoyed your book. It was very good. Yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I made my mom read it, um, and because uh, we had this whole thing where I was like, why don't you read anything that I write? And she's like, eh. <laughs> so so she she read it, and she called me up. And I know that she read it because when she called me, she literally gave me like a, a, a an oral book report over the phone. <laughs> That's awesome. Of the book. So it's like, I know there's no cliff notes, to, but she really, <laughs> and, she, and she was pulling like lines straight forward. I was like, damn, mom. I was like wondering if she had like made like little note cards for herself too. Um, <laughs> but no, like she, she actually, she's like, I liked it, but it was so sad. I was like, do you want it to be a happy ending? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, how is <laughs> like, this going to end happily? Yeah. Um, so so pe a few people have come to me and said that they did not expect the ending. And uh, I said, you know, I, I can understand that. To me, it's a very logical ending. It's, it's, the, it's the logical, you know, the way this, this you know, arc is going. Mm -hmm. um, other people were hoping for another direction hoping for like a ride off into the sunset yeah, kind yeah, of direction yeah. mm -hmm. but somebody does kind of get to ride off into oh, the yeah, sunset oh totally. yeah totally yeah, mm -hmm. yeah there is a ride off um, moment but it's yeah it's not the yeah but i i really enjoyed I it i thought it was great yeah, i yeah. thought it had like a fun twilight zone ending like if i'm being honest yeah. with you like the oh that's clever you know i thought it was really really well done and the dialogue in that thing just pops are you gonna it's great like yeah i don't know how you would do more of it but is that something that you would go back to doing like would you do another I originally had three story arcs oh, for that okay. series. Yeah, I remember so, you told us this when you when we talked to you about the about the, about yeah, the mom so and the dad. I had had, yes. So I had had a story arc with the grandparents that mm -hmm. all took place during World War II. Okay, that's right. You told and then me I had that. a yeah, second yeah. story arc mm -hmm. that took place in the fifties and sixties, and then this was the third story arc. Okay. And I'd wanted to do all three stories but there was no way that I was going to be able to finance, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. what would ultimately be like almost 400 pages worth of comics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I spoke with G and I, and I had started and stopped this story. So when I spoke with James Emmett, I said, how can I get just touches of everything 
in here. And that's why you have these little flash moments of Jasmine and her brother, Chris, and Grandma Dahlia luring uh, a Nazi sh- soldier into an alley. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, because I wanted to allude to, to the, the much larger world and mm-hmm. the much larger um, story with this family. Uh, but I just, you know, I didn't have the money to do, you know, a 250, 300 page graphic novel. <laughs> and sometimes so. with comics, especially on that level of the, the truly independent level where you're crowdfunding or paying for stuff for it yourself, it just becomes like a, like a numbers game and you just can't yeah. do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, so. and I think that the way it was paced, because originally, and this is the thing is originally <clears throat> pre-pandemic, we had a publisher. Yes. Right. And it was going to be five issues. And that's why the trade is like, you know, there's these five chapters. Um, but then the pandemic hit and the publisher had to pull back. And I get it. Like, it happens. It sucked. But I kept thinking, I was like, well, do I change the way we've paced it? And I said, you know what? I think the way it's paced is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we ever did a re-release, like in 10, 15 years or whatever, we could do it with five separate issues. And yeah. it would still work. Um but yeah, I mean, it was, I, I'm glad that you said you liked the dialogue because somebody complained to me that it was too real. Was no, there's no such the thing point. in comics. That's the point. That's what you need. Like, <laughs> like it needs to sound like people talking yeah, more often. Like, I would say like, if, if people would look at Deadly's Bouquet for like an example of what it sounds like when people talk to each other, like that's a good example, I would yeah. say, because that's what, it, that's what you send need your this, comics to sound like. Send me this person's uh, Twitter handle or whatever, so I'll just call him a fucking dummy. Like that's the whole point. It's supposed to sound natural, you stupid idiot. I, <laughs> what I are think we I doing was, here? I think he was probably one of three and I was triggering something. I was probably, Maybe. he was probably, you know, because I'll be honest, some of that dialogue is literally taken from arguments that I've had with my siblings. <laughs> I mean, it's, it felt like it, like when yeah. you read like when you read the book, like it felt like real people talking to each other. And I always enjoy that about comics. It, the dialogue doesn't like stilt or like slant or throw me off. Like, yeah. like, like that's weird. Not, like, then a, not every great. comic character needs to sound like Dr. Doom, like pontificated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Dr. Doom's Doom Ray. Yeah, Doom. it's like, we don't, we don't need that for every book. It was, a, it was a, like a, personal family book that felt like a family like you were living in this house with these people it was great you did a wonderful Very job dysfunctional with people. yeah but it was <laughs> but it was well done and like the dialogue was great and like fuck that guy that's all i gotta say that's <laughs> like fuck the funny thing is you know it was a guy oh yeah of course I it mean, was yeah it's the same guy that has the five volt scooter again that's that guy it's <laughs> exactly. frank Kevin, it, wasn't frank. Fra- it wasn't frank mccall you know what's gonna happen is somebody's gonna because i'm not on facebook somebody from my high school is gonna is gonna hear this they're gonna go on facebook they're gonna say something to frank mccall and then he's gonna find me on twitter or something and be like why is it you're talking shit or he's gonna find one why of us he's gonna find saying? my brother or my sister <laughs> and then i'm gonna get a text why are you talking shit about Frank McCall? I'm not talking shit about Frank McCall. He just had that like five horsepower scooter thing that he would like ride past as we're like huffing it, walking or walking our bikes up a hill. And 
it was I, i'll just take credit for it i'll just say i'm the one who said I, like erica never said it it was always me i said it like three times or four times and, so and before we because we've been mad at me we've been on for like an hour and like 15 <laughs> oh, minutes so i want to let you go you know you're fine you're fine because i don't want to keep you all night but i know you're genuinely still pissed about this with this guy and his fucking hover bike because you've mentioned it like three <laughs> separate times and you're like fuck they like this is a real deep anger in you and i'm really it glad we were anger. able to you see you want to know why because one day when i was walking home from school he purposely splashed me in a uh, in a puddle. He purposely oh. drove through a puddle to splash me when I was walking home from school one day. Fuck that motherfucker! See, fucking. He was older. Ball. He was in my sister's year. He was he was two years older than me, two grades older than me because he was my sister's year. I bet he, he liked purposefully, you. Purposefully, I bet he liked oh, you. Oh, I, I hope not. I hope I bet he did. <laughs> she said, I, I hope not. not. I bet he did. He probably he probably has like all of your work. Like he's got it all in like his basement. He's got all your comics and he just loves you. So like, he's probably so Well, that's the that funny thing is that like, that's the funny thing is Schultz is not my last name. Schultz that's is true. my husband's last that's name. That's true. All right. all right. So when people come up he to knows. me at a Frank, convention, Frank knows when people come up to me at a convention and they say, Oh, we went to high school together. Oh, we went to college together. I'm like, then what's my name? And they're like, Eric Schultz. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> Cause if we went to college together, we went to high school together. You know, that's not my name. You weirdo. Get out of here. <laughs> it's like we went to Georgetown. I was like, I wish I went to Georgetown. Thank you very much. Buy a book or goodbye. Um, I do have to say, though, this is my last podcast that I'm doing before I have to take a vow of silence. Yes. <laughs> Kevin, you don't know about this. Tell us I about that. But you can hear it as, as I'm talking. You can hear it. So I'm getting my tonsils out next week. So... Yeah, so my husband has already loaded up the freezer with Italian ices and ice cream. Oh, that's okay, sweet. that's so sweet and, of him. You know, yogurt and uh, chocolate pudding and everything. Uh, but I'm not going to be able to really vocalize for, they're saying anywhere from one to two weeks. That's crazy. Oh, wow. Well, okay, so this is what they said to me. So when you're a kid and they take your tonsils out, which is usually happens when you're a child. Yes, because my, <laughs> my son had his done when he was like four. Yeah. See, I was supposed to have mine done when I was like nine. And uh -huh. then they were like, no, we're not going to do it anymore. Even though your tonsils are literally covered in pus pockets. They did the same thing to me. <laughs> they did the same thing to me and I get struck out every year. Yeah. Well, so. I, I ended up in the hospital last year. Holy because shit. Oh, my no. tonsils were so swollen that my airway closed. Wow. So I ended up, I ended up in the emergency room. They admitted me. I posted on Twitter because with a, a photo of an IV saying, hey, AMA while I'm waiting for a hospital bed. Um, and I ended up in the hospital overnight That's crazy. Uh, because of the airway closing. And then in the past 11 months, I've gotten more infections and my throat has come close to closing again. So I finally found a doctor who was like, okay, are you okay with taking the tonsils out? I was like, this is 35 years in the making, please. Yeah take them mm -hmm. out. So, um, so apparently when you have them taken out as a kid, it's easier because they're like, they're not like glued in. <laughs> like they're not like stuck there. They're like, you know, when you're an adult and you get your tonsils out, it's a lot harder. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Give me a fork. <laughs> I'll take them out myself right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it is going to be a bit of a tougher, uh, uh, surgery and, and a tougher recovery, but I've, I've had many, I've had two knee surgeries already. I've had, you know, facial surgery i've had plenty of, of <laughs> doctors cut into me before i'm like i don't care get them out yeah but for uh, you not being able to talk for two weeks that sounds like it's going to be really difficult because you're such a chatty cat i know 
I am a chatty Cathy and it's really gonna, it's my husband, I'm sure is probably like, Oh my God, <laughs> after 20 years, I get a rest. You're just going to just just tweet more. Just yeah. tweet more every, every yeah. day. Like tweet your opinions, Erica. So we don't lose them because we need, we need we value your opinions. And I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic when I say no, that. Well, the She's other laughing, thing is that I'm so. looking over it. They give you like this giant fat stack of stuff because you got to sign, like, you know, a million papers. And they give mm-hmm. you this giant fat stack of stuff. And it says, just so you know, your voice might change. Oh. Um, and I'm like, that's interesting. <laughs> so, so what you're saying maybe? is, Nick, next time we have you on the pod, you may sound like this. <laughs> I might sound like this. It's fine. <laughs> Remember, uh, what was it? Uh, in Living Color, Viracosa. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. That's what I might sound like. Either that or I'm going to sound even more shrill than I already do. No, you have a beautiful well, voice. Stop you, have, you have a great voice. You you, yeah. you can get that Lauren Bacall thing that, that ladies usually say they want, that raspy, like yeah. Lauren McCall, or, or with was, Demi Moore. Didn't she have like a... The, Kathleen who's Turner? Who's the actress? She's the, the blonde, not Kathleen Turner, but there's a blonde actress who she was in Back to School... She she's Sally has, Kellerman. She just died. She, yes. yes, she just died. She just died she just like two days away. ago. Oh, that's yeah. so she just sad. passed away. She but was in she the had, she was in the original Mash. She she was hot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I love she that. Had, I love her so much. I want that voice. Yeah, <laughs> that like deep, sexy, raspy. That's that's the voice that I want out of all of this. I saw. I because <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna in, come out sounding like fucking Minnie Mouse. Because <laughs> <laughs> growing up, back back to school used to be on cable. Awesome. Every every weekend, like every weekend, back to school would be on. I've Triple seen back movie. to school a thousand times, and I used to have the biggest crush on her when I was like eleven years old. I was like, I love that woman. Like she's fucking. That's <laughs> what's not yeah. to have a crush on. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Kelly Kellerman. She was on Dream On. Do you remember when she she was on? Do you remember yeah. when she was on Dream On and Martin Tupper couldn't see and fell in love with her because of her voice? And then he got to see. Her voice is so yeah, great. yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I think. That's the first time anyone's mentioned Dream On. In no, it's like the second time you mentioned it. years. I used you to, mentioned it. You, I, I used to watch Dream, Dream On. on. I, that was, was one of my favorite show. HBO shows. Yeah, because he would think. If for those of you who don't know, Martin Tupper was the main character. He had his best friend Eddie Charles, and Martin Tupper watched so much TV as a kid. He would have like flashbacks in his mind of TV clips. In, so instead like, of actual memories yeah, yeah. like he would have a, t- a flashback of a tv clip of something that sparked something in great show i loved and they always showed boobs always like for no reason <laughs> like always at like martin Tupper, it was hbo he always got up somebody's shirt it was amazing <laughs> but you know they actually made a joke with that in scrooge because when he's talking to buster uh poindexter about you know all of the different um all the different memories he had as a kid, mm-hmm. all he does is talk about things that he saw on TV. Right. And I remember Buster Poindexter screaming, that was the little house on the prairie. <laughs> <laughs> Scrooge is an underrated Christmas classic. Like, Absolutely. Scrooge is a fantastic Absolutely. film. I made Karen the kid watch Allen. it this year. Yeah, so. Karen Allen's part in Scrooge yes. is so, because she just kicks Bill Murray's ass the whole time. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I love that movie, Scrooge. Good, good one. Do a, watch Scrooge and check out an episode of Dream On, and you might be surprised. Both very, very good stuff. Erica, it's always a pleasure to have you on. We hope you recover quickly from your surgery. Thank we you. Do. Um, we love having you on. Uh, where can we find you on social media? 
Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Erica Schultz 42. On Instagram, I'm at Erica Schultz Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. And you can, if you want to pick up a book while I'm recovering, I'll make my husband pack it for you. It's uh, ericaschultzwrites.com. And I bet your autograph will be really long because you can't talk. So you're just going to, yeah. And I went, I went to the grocery no, store. No, I just, I just... <laughs> I'll do like my E, I'll do my quick E Schultz. And then everybody will be like, what the hell does this say? <laughs> I, cause you know, you know, it was because I, you know, was studying for physical therapy. I still have the, you know, I have the doctor's. <laughs> yeah, you brought it all back around. That's it. Inter- interview's over. You're listening to the word bros podcast, the word bros.com.